the 2023 Cincinnati Bearcats. You know who they remind me of? The 2009 Cincinnati Bearcats. I'll explain why. You are Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So much making lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you listen to podcasts, including on YouTube. Don't forget if you're watching us on YouTube to hit that subscribe button and follow us to get an alert every time that we drop a new episode. My name is Alex Frank, your host each and every day here on Lockdown Bearcats. It's part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. So the 2009 Bearcats, we all remember them. Pike to Bins undefeated Sugar Bowl, nearly playing for the national championship. And I, I was recently asking myself, could this Bearcats team be like that team? Am I saying this year's Bearcats team is going to go undefeated? No. But what I am saying is there is kind of a shock the world element to this Bearcats team. And that was prevalent at media days with Deshaun Pace, with Dante Corleone, with Jawan Briggs, with Emory Jones. There's a sense that the Bearcats, they believe that they're going to be a lot better than what the prognosticators are saying or what they think. 13th place in the Big 12, we all know that I, based on where the Bearcats have finished in years past, that is way too low. I firmly believe that this Bearcats team, I firmly believe that they're going to be much better than 13th. I believe they are a middle-of-the-pack team. I believe that they are going to have a winning record and at least make a bowl game. Now, and I bring up 2009. And am I saying that this year's team is going to be like that 2009 team? No. But you remember what there is this year. And you remember this after 2008 going into 2009. The expectations that were there. And there is not this year a quantifiable expectation, meaning I believe the Bear, I expect the Bearcats to win X amount of games. There's not that. What there is, though, is there is a qualitative expectation. There is a general palpable buzz where you just have a lot of questions. You're entering the unknown. You don't know what to expect, and that's totally fine. But I think it's a good thing here. So going into 09, we knew that the Bearcats, and maybe the 2021 team's a better comparison, but my point is, in 2009, a lot of us knew that the first game at Rutgers was really the biggest hurdle in the way towards potentially an undefeated regular season. They ultimately beat Rutgers on the road. They went to Corvallis and beat Oregon State. They survived battles with USF and UConn and West Virginia and ultimately Pitt. And this Bearcats team could be similar to that. And again, there's not a quantifiable expectation of, yeah, this team's going to win X amount of games. No, there is a, a sense and a buzz, though, that this team can still be really good. And by really good... I mean, setting the tone and the future of this program is still very, very bright. 
there's still a lot of there's still a lot of palpable buzz and expectation despite all the uncertainty. So that's different from where we were in 2009. But you wondered how good that team could be, and I think you kind of wondered that with this year's team because you're going into the Big 12. How good can this program be? You have questions of how they're going to fare at the Power 5. What are the games going to be like? Because you're playing a Power 5 team nine times out of 12 this season. How is Emory Jones going to elevate this offense? There are so many question marks surrounding this team. And that's okay. But that 2009 team, I don't know if any of us truly expected them to be national championship contenders and come within, and at the time, an illegal clock review, or actually, I don't know if that's true, but we didn't realize they were going to come within a hair, a fraction of playing for the college football, of playing for the BCS national championship. We did not know that. What we do know is what we did know was that team is going to be really good. What we do know about this team is that they're going into the Power Five. And that is um, th- that is obviously momentous. It is something that a lot of us have been looking forward to for a long time. And I'm going to have that conversation tomorrow with retired WLWT News 5 Sports Director George Vogel on this show. Um. It, it's one of those going into this season where you feel like there is an element, hey, why not us? I mean, Sonny Dykes led TCU to the national championship last year. They went 5-7 and seven the year prior. The Bearcats were gradually building towards 9 but 2018, they went 10-2, and two, and there was this expectation of, well... They have a year under Luke Fickle. They have a an interesting quarterback waiting in the wings in Desmond Ritter. Maybe he can be the guy to elevate the offense. But in terms of shocking the world, in terms of expectation or lack thereof, this kind of reminds me of 2009 because there's this tantalizing weight. What is today's day? Tuesday, July 25th. So we are... We are 39 days away from opening kickoff at Nipper. 39 days away. And I I believe this. That this season is going to play out much better than where than, than in years past. Or I shouldn't say in years past. This season's gonna play. Why 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 in the world did I say that? Dis, dis, <laughs> disregard that. This season's going to play out much better than what some of you might believe. And, and there was something else that happened in 2009 that makes me hopeful for this year's Bearcats team because I do see some similarities in terms of on the field between this year's Bearcats team and another team from 2009 that's not the Bearcats. I'm going to explain what that team had and did and why this year's Bearcats team is similar to that team next on Locked on Bearcats. 
Today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. Just like Scott Satterfield says, players then plays. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. When you shop on eBay Motors, and with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Once again, thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. We we love the everyday listener, the, the the ones who never miss an episode, the ones who make us your the ones who make us their first listen every day. And on tomorrow's show, we got a great great show planned. My former boss, one of my mentors, WLWT, I should say now retired WLWT News Five Sports Director George Vogel is going to join me to discuss all things Bearcats and in the Big Twelve. And, of course, we'll also ask him about his memorable experiences covering the Bearcats as he is a UC alum, just like myself. Uh, that's two UC alums that we will have had on this week. Neil Meyer joined me yesterday. He's a UC alum just uh, recently or shortly after I graduated. He followed suit. And George Vogel joined me tomorrow. So we all remember Pike to Bins and that magical 2009 Bearcats team. But you know what else I remember about 2009? The Bengals winning the AFC North. I was my cousin was asking me about was was asking me at the lake last week. He goes, he asked me my favorite Bengals seasons, and and I, and I said this last week, and I'll reiterate it again. My favorite Bengals seasons go 2021, um, 2022, 2015, 2013, 2009, and number five. And I remember 05. I had, I just started to come around towards the end of that season, uh, right when the Bengals were battling Peyton Manning and the Colts, and then they crushed Baltimore, beat Pittsburgh, and went on to win the AFC North that year. 09, though, is a memorable season for me. And I say that because of the unexpected element that came with that team. That Bengals team, I was going back over the weekend and looking at the, the roster and the preseason odds, their over-under was at seven wins. Now, they were 4-11-1 the year before. How much of that was due to injuries to Carson Palmer and other players? That is obviously very, very um, validated and legitimate when it comes to an argument. But what I remember about that team was going into the season, it did feel like that something was in the air. I didn't know how good they were going to be. I remember being at the season opener and being very impressed with what I saw. There was um, tough physical play. There was pride. There was energy in the crowd. And then obviously they lose their season opener. In heartbreaking fashion, Brandon Stokely running down the sideline toward the south end zone, Riverside end zone where I was sitting. They lose the game 12-7. to But do you know what they did after that? 
and this is what makes the division title that much more impressive to me, they bounced back and won their next four games. And not only that, three of those games were against Pittsburgh at home, their first time beating them at home with Marvin Lewis as head coach. They went up to Cleveland and won a tough game because it was naturally that way. It's the game after Pittsburgh. And the game before, they went to Baltimore, knocked off the, the Ravens, took over first place in the AFC North, and never relinquished it. They finished 10-6. and six. What made that team so good? And this is where I think the Bearcats are similar to that 09 Bengals team. The 2009 Cincinnati Bengals had a very, very good defense, ranked 6th in points allowed. They had a very, very good defensive front, led by uh, Antoine Odom, who had five sacks in one game at Green Bay Week 2, finished with eight. Jonathan Finene, remember him? He added, I think, five sacks that year, three, three or five sacks that year. That defense also had playmakers and linebacker in Keith Rivers, coming back from a broken jaw. Ray Maluga, say what you want about him. He did have his upsides. They also had Jonathan Joseph. They had Chris Crocker. They had Frosty Rucker, who had a who had an interception against Pittsburgh on the road in Week Ten. Their defense was very, very good, led by Mike Zimmer. Offensively, it was a struggle. Uh, they finished twenty second in points per game. They only scored more than thirty points, I believe, one time that year, and that was against Chicago. They won that game forty five to ten. Carson Palmer only had one three hundred yard passing game. He had five games in the regular season below 200 yards, and then, of course, under 200 in the postseason. There was a... And that team, offensively, was driven by the running game with Cedric Benson, over 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns. Chad Johnson had nine touchdowns, receiving over 1,000 yards. Kind of a renaissance year for him. And the Bengals ultimately were a team that scratched and clawed their way to 10 wins. It was never pretty to watch. That's how this Bearcats team is going to be. This Bearcats team, we know, has a great defense, especially up front. Sack masters and run stopper extraordinaires and Dante Corleone, Malik Van, Jawan Briggs, and then you add Deshaun Pace at linebacker. You add uh, Dorian Jones at linebacker. You add Daniel Greshik, hybrid defensive end linebacker. And then you look at the secondary and you hope that you can get some playmakers out of guys like, let's say, DJ Taylor or, let's say, uh, Sammy Bumpus, Taj Ward, Brian Threats. You have your options there in the secondary. Offensively, this team wants to run the football. And if you don't believe me, I, I say this, I've said this numerous times this offseason. Scott Satterfield's Louisville offenses were the only offense in the country to average 200 rushing and passing yards per game in each of the last four seasons, or over the last four seasons. That doesn't just happen. Scott Satterfield has a commitment to run the football. And with the dual-threat quarterback in Emory Jones, and I get it, he's only going to be here for one year. But what you're going to see this year, hopefully at least, is a, a preview of what is to come when you have a dual-threat quarterback and you have a scheme like Satterfield's that doesn't just rely on pushing the pile, and expecting runs up the middle to work like last year's offense tried to do. This year's offense is going to have to be a little bit different. They're going to have to be able to do some outside zone, maybe some wide zone, maybe some 
I, I mean, this offense is going to be more versatile than last year's offense. They're going to run the football because they know that's how they're going to win games, control the clock, keep the defense off the field. What made that Odai Bengals team so good was they never got into any shootouts. The only time they really did was with San Diego, and they damn near pulled off that win. But what made that team so good was they were able to run the football, control the clock. And another thing, too, is, and this was particularly prevalent early in the season. By the way, when it came to playmakers in that secondary, how can I forget Leon Hall? So what made that what made that um, team, that Bengals team, really good also was their ability to win in the clutch. And what I mean by that is, look at the Pittsburgh game. And I know what you're going to tell me. What about Denver? Okay, well, that was one game. There was a three-game stretch in the division, might I add. And by the way, that division, going into that season, Pittsburgh was the reigning Super Bowl champion. Baltimore had played in the AFC title game the previous year. So it wasn't like they were playing in the NFC West at the time. They were playing in the AFC North. And the Bengals beat the Steelers. Brian Leonard's fourth and 10 catch. Andre Caldwell's touchdown. They go up to Cleveland, win that week. Um, it was either Chad Johnson or Chris Henry, God rest his soul, who caught the game-tying touchdown in the fourth quarter, extra point, missed, or might have been blocked. Um, they win that game in overtime. Shane Graham, game-winning field goal. In... Baltimore, they go down the field, win the game on a late touchdown drive. Kansas City, win the game on a late touchdown to Chad Johnson, Leon Hall, pick six. That team played well, at least in the regular season, in moments where it mattered. The Bearcats are going to have to do that this year if they're going to win games. They're going to have to play well when it matters. They're going to have to not make mistakes when it matters such as when you play a team that's at your caliber, like let's say an Iowa State or a Baylor or a Kansas or a team who's equal to you that's going into the conference with you this year. There is that sense. If they can do that, they can have a solid season. So there are similarities here because of the defensive expectations. And with Brian Brown, new defensive coordinator, I think they're going to be once again, very solid on that side of the ball. Then you add in the likes of, um, then you add in the likes of an offense that is going to want to run the football and control the clock, and they don't have many playmakers or wide receiver. That Bengals team at Chad Johnson, the, I mean, the next best receiver on that team was Lavernius Coles. Now, Lavernius Coles was really good. He had a touchdown in the playoff game against the Jets, which I still say to this day they should have won. This Bearcats team as Evan Prater wide receiver, but there's not really that guy going into the season that you can say, yeah, is going to have 800 yards and six touchdowns. There might be a guy that adds that has 403, but this team is going to be driven by its ability to run the football. So a lot of similarities between that 09 Bengals team and this year's team because of defense, running the football, playing well in late in late game situations and not making mistakes and that is what I think can lead to a 7-5, and five, maybe 8-4 and four type season for the Bearcats. Up next, speaking of the Bengals, Boomer Esiason, and Chad Johnson named to the Ring of Honor. Who could be the next Nippert Stadium Ring of Honor inductees? 
We'll explore that next on Locked On Bearcats. So I, w- I want to extend uh, on behalf of my family who's had season tickets to the Bengals since 1968. Uh, congratulations to Boomer Esiason and Chad Johnson on being this year's Bengals Ring of Honor inductees. I cannot wait for that Monday night game. September 25th at Paycor Stadium. It's it's going to be electric. Boomer and Chad are Bengals royalty. Chad is the reason why, or was a key part of when I started getting into football in the Bengals. And Boomer is, now Joe Burrow might have a strong say about this, but Boomer is one of the best quarterbacks in team history. So I got to thinking, you know, and this is really interesting to me. Nippert Stadium has 13 members in its ring of honor. Tom O'Malley, Gene Rossi, uh, Bill Shalosky, Dick Goist, Jack Lee, Greg Cook, Jim O'Brien, Tom Marvasso, Mike, excuse me, Mike Woods, Reggie Taylor, Jonathan Rufin, excuse me, Gino Gadulli, and Kevin Huber. That's it. Now, this was written, now this article that I'm looking at was written, let's say when it was written, I feel like, I feel like there are other names in that Ring of Honor. But what what, what I'm saying is, in fact, I, I know there is. That's not all. Because I feel like I've seen... Let me see. Yeah, Danny McGoin is in there. I guess not. So it's 13 members in the Nippert Stadium Ring of Honor. That, I find that hard to believe. Yeah. Um, Shaq Washington also in the uh, Ring of Honor. I, I knew he was in there. So, big, obviously, there. Who else could be? And I feel like, Mar- I feel like Marty Gilliard has to be in there. But I think about this. And I think about the recent era of Bearcats football and how great it's been. And over the last 10 years, 15 years, how many players can you say are Ring of Honor worthy? Marty Gilliard, um, Shaq Washington, Alec Pierce, Obviously, you have Desmond Ritter, Sauce Gardner, and the Kelsey brothers who should be in. I mean, those four guys. And and sometimes, I don't know if it's... And maybe you can base it on not necessarily how well they played while while at Cincinnati, but also how well they play in the NFL. I mean, Jason and Travis are sure our first ballot Hall of Famers. Travis, for sure. Jason is a Hall of Famer, maybe not first ballot. Desmond Ritter and Sauce Gardner were two unbelievable players in college. Can also maybe add Kobe Bryant, James Wiggins, Dante Corleone. Eventually, might have a case. Deshaun Pace. I would maybe even consider Ivan Pace for that one year alone last year. This is a very, very good last ten to fifteen years of Bearcats football, where you can say that there are legitimate Ring of Honor candidates. I firmly believe that there are some, but it's interesting to me. And that, that article is wrong because um, Michael Warren, Perry Young, a lot of hometown heroes that could be in. And that's, another, and that's an element to this, is where you think about 
what has made the Bearcats football program so great recently, it's the it's the guys who were hometown heroes, the guys who have been here for who came here and rebuilt the program and ultimately built into something really special. Luke Fickle could be in the Ring of Honor. I don't know if I don't know if coaches are allowed, but my point is, my point is this: there, there has been so much success that, and I can't remember the last time they had a Ring of Honor induction. But there have been so many great players and head coaches, and I would even say Marcus Freeman, that have been here over the last ten to fifteen years. But you have to think that some, if not most, of those key guys are going to be in at some point. All right, that is going to do it for me today here on Lockdown Bearcats. Don't forget tomorrow, George Vogel, former sports director at WLWT News 5 Cincinnati. I had the privilege of interning under him when I was a student at Cincinnati. George is a UC alum like myself. He will be joining me to discuss the Bearcats in the Big 12 and memorable Bearcats games and moments he covered in his 40-plus-year career. That is going to be fun. I'm on Twitter, at Frankie underscore Natty, Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore email, Alex3Frank at gmail.com. That's coming up on tomorrow's show with George Vogel. We had Neil Meyer on yesterday. Thursday, we're looking to have Russ Heltman on the show. Uh, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. So looking forward to that and looking forward to uh, you continuing to make us your first listen every day. Lockdown Bearcats is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It is your team every day. I am Alex Frank for Lockdown Bearcats. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. Reds and Brewers tonight, 8-10 from Milwaukee. Looking forward to that. And I will be back tomorrow right here on Lockdown Bearcats.